All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your dreams um, that you have for this community. I pray that you would bless this community, Father. Father, I ask that um, you would bless the kids today who are going back to school, that you would bless the teachers, the administrators, the bus drivers. Father, the parents who are getting ready to adjust to a new season. I pray that you give us ears to hear today, Father, eyes to see, minds to comprehend your word, hearts that are postured before you with fertile soil, and feet that want to run with obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Oh, I also wanted to thank uh, Stu and John and Bob might be watching online and Mark and Mark for helping oversee um, church and the worship team and tech booth. Thank you guys while I was away. Um, Macy and I had a really good time um, learning a lot about ourselves or ourselves, learning a lot about each other. Um, it was just good to be away, and it was like literally the second day we were down in Florida, and while we were there, it's like, I really like Ohio. <laughs> like, so how was your vacation the second day you're saying you really like Ohio? And it actually had nothing to do with the winter or things uh, that were bad in Florida. It was really like my love for this community and my church and the people around here. So, so that was really good for me to be able to be away and still say, I love this community. So that was good. Um, the water was really nice. So I wanted to give you like just this great picture of what it looked like. Here's what we did. So there was a all Big Ten player who was an NFL pro bowler who we went on vacation with. His name was Eric Decker. How many guys have heard of Eric Decker? All the ladies are like, dream wife or dream husband. Like, dream wife. Yeah, they wanted to be the dream wife. Dude is stacked. He's a great wide receiver. He had a reality TV show. We were on vacation with him. The beaches were white. Uh, we swam with dolphins. We um, got invited onto a cruise ship. And it was just amazing. That's not what happened. And see, one of the things that I thought about while we were on vacation was this. One of the things I thought about was like, we could have posted on social media and we could have shared that story as if that's what reality was. Because you want to know what? Eric Decker was on the same beach as us. He was just like a half mile down. And the rumor was that Eric Decker was there. So we vacationed with Eric Decker, right? We could have said that. And then we did one night get invited onto a cruise ship or just big old like, I mean, it was 150 foot boat. It was a dinner boat. And while we were walking past it, they said, hey, are you here for dinner? Come on in. <laughs> we only got invited on this big ship because they thought we were coming to eat. And I said, nope. And then, Macy, do you care if I share? This is how crazy my wife is. You don't cross her because... She is crazy. So one day, we're paddle boarding, right? Doing this modern thing. And she's out there. And she's out there too far. And I can't swim. I can't swim. I can't do it. So, like, I could float. I could swim a little bit. But 
I can't. I like to think that if Macy, 10 guys were coming after Macy on ground, I could try to do something. Like, in my mind, I could at least try. But with one person, I'm like, yeah, I could probably do something. Probably not, but I at least think that I could. But when it's in water and I can't swim, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to watch my wife just float to the bottom of the ocean. And I can't do anything about it. Going through my mind, it's like the worst thing that could happen is going to happen. And I'm just going to be here watching her float because it's clear water, too. It's like not even dark stuff that you can't see through. It's just like, oh, yeah, there she goes. And I'd just die with her because I'd try to save her. I'd drown. Nevertheless, what ended up happening is she's out there doing her thing in this clear water. I'm like, wow, this is great. And then we start to see dolphins. I'm like, wow, that's cool. But those are still out there. And then out of nowhere, we see dolphins getting a little bit closer. And then I see Macy fall off. No life jacket, no nothing. And I'm like, if she's only a little bit better swimmer than me, she can't swim. Like, she has to be exponentially better. And she says she was. She had a pool growing up, whatever. Like, but you can still touch the bottom of the pool, woman. So I'm like, this is it. This is it. I'm doing anything I can do. And what ended up happening is this other guy was like, is she okay? This is a true story. He's like, is she okay? And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know right now. So then now he's watching, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Just keep on watching. And then Macy starts screaming, dolphins! There's dolphins! And I see her doing this. I'm like, that's not bad form, woman. Dang! So she starts doing her thing, and then she says, there were dolphins, and they were right beside me, so I decided to jump in. I'm like, What? You watch too much Flipper growing up, woman. That's not what you do. That could have, like, dolphins are smart, and we see them at SeaWorld, but you don't jump in with dolphins. Macy jumped in because she saw a dolphin, and she wanted to swim with a dolphin. What, like, an awesome little kid in her, because what does she think is going to happen? She's going to grab the fin, and is she going to take her places? Like, okay, Macy, like, so Macy swam with dolphins I almost had a heart attack we didn't get invited onto any cruise ship there was no food that we could really eat I gained weight but we had a really good time Uh, so Macy's crazy like you guys some of you guys have heard uh, Macy's been shot at before we're not going to tell that story now. She's been shot at, um, blah, 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 blah. And then now she's swam with dolphins. So when Macy starts throwing up weird signs, she's true story, thug wife. <laughs> so um, thank you guys for being patient as we were on vacation and blessing that. Nevertheless, um, over the next several weeks, we want to get into the book of Acts. And... Um, Yeah, so we're just going to study the book of Acts. My challenge to you is this, is each week we're going to cover pieces of two chapters. So one week maybe we only hit 
one chapter. The next week, maybe we fly through and hit a couple of each. So my challenge to you is this. Each week, read the next two chapters. So this week, we're going to be in chapter 1 and then chapter 2, just a little bit. So then that means tomorrow, start reading chapters 3 and 4. Can you guys do that with me? No guilt if you don't, but um, man, the Word's living and it brings life. So just read Acts chapter 3 and 4 this week. So, after Jesus rose from the grave, he spent 40 days with his disciples before ascending into heaven. During this time, he tasked them to do one thing. Well, many things, but one thing of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. And today, that very mission that he tasked them with has impacted you and I today. You and I are here today based upon who Jesus was and the mission that was walked out by his people. Amen? The Great Commission. So over the next several weeks, we're going to learn about how the spread of the church and that mission took place. I'm going to be honest with you, though. Um, Some of you in here believe... um, that just when we mention the name of the book of Acts, that revival is going to take place. There's people in here who are just like, yes, fire, God's coming, book of Acts. And then there's other people in here who are like, you know what, um, that stuff's kind of dead. That was just for the book of Acts. If, if, if you're on either of those ends, raise your hand. Yes, none of you. So, um, so some people believe that, that the book of Acts is prescriptive, right? It's a prescription. So here are things that as believers of Jesus Christ, we are supposed to do each day. And then there's other people who might believe that this is descriptive, that the book of Acts is just describing what had happened back during that time. And I would say it's both. Not only is the book of Acts a prescription of what you and I are supposed to do, it's also descriptive of what took place during that time. That helps us understand how you and I should live today. So as we take this journey, we're going to see many parts that are prescriptive of what you and I are supposed to do. And then we're going to see other pieces that are just descriptive of what took place. The hard pill to swallow, though, is this is the book of Acts is not simply about signs and wonders that we see, but it's actually about God establishing his church in the mission of furthering the kingdom by which um, signs, wonders, and power accompany God's people. So, um, remember to read your verses next week. So, Acts chapter 1, first verse Here we go. In my formal book, former book, sorry, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and to teach. This one verse here um, introduces to us the writer of the book of Acts and how this writer has written something else. So now there is an interesting connection with who this book is directed to, and that's Theophilus. So, um, Luke has 
also written to Theophilus. So let's go to Luke um, 1 real quick. And uh, I'm just going to read to you 1 through 4. Luke 1, 1 through 4. And I did um, potentially have a PowerPoint that I sent you guys that could make it easier for you. So uh, Luke 1, 1 through 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have certainly investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of things you have been taught. This confirms to us, I believe, that the author of Acts is Luke. He wrote to Theophilus before, he addressed it to Theophilus, and now he's doing that again in Luke and in Acts. So, um, so as Luke has written two books we at least know of now, right? We have Luke and we have Acts. The question could be, why didn't he put them together as one? Well, I would say this. One, the Holy Spirit didn't lead him to just do one book, right? Holy Spirit wanted him to have two books. That's how, how it was directed. But both are uniquely different. Um, but yet they have the same center, and that's Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Whenever you read a scripture, whenever you read Old Testament scriptures, whenever you read New Testament scriptures, I think the goal of it is to say, where is Jesus in this? I think that would help. Nevertheless, they are different. That's why they're two different books. You have Luke and you have Acts. So one of the main differences that I see in that is at the end of Luke, we still seem to have leadership, disciples, apostles, who somewhat feel um, confused, maybe even reluctant. And I think of much of the church today, not just this church, but I think of the global church, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at all of the global church, just saying in general, I believe that through my eyes, I see a church that is confused, and I see a church that is reluctant. Anyone else see that? And how about this? Take the church out of it. As a believer myself, Sometimes I am confused, and sometimes I am reluctant, and I don't like that. Is there anyone else in here as a participating church that sometimes feels confused and reluctant? I feel like Scripture gives us the remedy for that. So in Luke, we see that in the disciples. But then in Acts, we're actually, as the introduction of the book of Acts, in Acts, we actually begin to see something different. In the book of Acts, we actually begin to see powerful men who, who are courageous, who are bold, and are teaching. They're not afraid to share the goodness of God. They're not afraid to step out in front of people, and they're not afraid to step out behind people. See, 
the right thing is always the right thing whether people see it or not. And there's some things that we end up doing that people never see that God honors. You realize that? There's no small decision that you make for God that God doesn't see. And just because your friend or just because your spouse or just because you're a leader or just because your church or just because the state, just because, just because, just because they don't see it doesn't mean you haven't done it and doesn't mean that God hasn't. And what God is looking for is God's looking for a person who in front of people and behind closed doors are willing to honor him. See, let's just talk about speeding real quick. And I'm going to mention it here in a little bit, so I might use the same illustration twice. Most people in this room, in a 55 mile an hour, mile an hour, justify 60. That's being nice, isn't it? You justify 60. But what about this? If 55 is the speed limit, if you're going 56, are you speeding? But in your brain, you say, I'm not. This is fine. This is within reason. Scripture tells us that it's our job to follow the law of the land. And Stu's getting really interested over there. <laughs> he's doing this. He's got his glasses down. He's like, that's right. He's doing one of these. He's saying, what's the pastor going to say? A sin is a sin is a sin. And one of the problems with the church today and Christians today is we actually have, it, the offense matters, right? The sin it, within itself matters. But what's your heart with why you're committing that sin? See, if, if God says to go the speed limit, why wouldn't you just go the speed limit even though you're not going to get caught just to honor him? Did you ever think that your driving can bring honor to God? Because Scripture actually says, whatever you do, do it unto God. And what that means is actually while I'm driving, I'm not doing it unto God when I'm going 10 over. I'm doing it unto myself. The things that are seen and the things that are unseen bring honor to Him. And I want, as an individual, and I want as a church for us to be people who say, I'm going to do it seen and unseen with a pure heart. With a pure heart, I'm going to do this. And what that requires is boldness. And what that requires is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What that requires is the resurrection power, Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the grave and now coming to live inside of me. That's what it requires because within my own strength, I can't do it. Can you do it as an individual within your own strength? I don't think you can. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit living inside of me to do things right all the time unto God. And I talk to many people who have issues with um, their coworkers or issues with friends or family members, and here's the reality of what I believe. No matter how they treat you, you do what you do unto God. And even if they come back and they betray you, you do what you do unto God. And as you continue to do what you do unto God, you bring honor to Him. And that's all that matters. Amen? 
What does this have to do with Acts? I'm going to keep on talking until I figure it out. (laughs) I think it was just the point. Just the point of this. Whatever you do in front of and behind of, behind of people, you do it with a pure heart. And the, uh, the apostles were now willing to do that. The apostles in Acts, from, so from Luke to now Acts, with, with Jesus sending, sending the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts chapter 1, we start to see them throughout the book of Acts empowered. Empowered. Normal men empowered, normal women empowered to walk out this good news. See, we had these weaklings somewhat, not completely. Hear the heart, not just the words. Now who are bold. See, when we get to Acts, we see men being bold. This isn't the main point of the message today. But clearly, I want to get a little bit of preachy. It's been a minute. Right? Preaching to the wall, preaching to the rocks, and preaching to my dogs doesn't always get me somewhere. I see powerless people, and I see a powerless church. Not just here. When I, when I, when I use church, I'm, I'll say MCF if I'm ever specifically speaking to us. But when I use the word church, I'm talking like bigger church, right? Global church, American church. But not everyone, just, just in general. I see a powerless church. What are we doing as a church? Because it seems like we just keep on justifying actions. And we're adding more sins to the bucket of what's okay... We're adding more things to it might as well be speeding than it is black and white. Sin is black and white. And as I was telling um, Mark this week, we were just having a discussion, nothing specifically about him or anything, even preaching to myself, is, is there's only obedience or disobedience. You realize there's no in between? One of the biggest lies that saints, meaning born-again believers, believe is that I was partially obedient. Partially obedient isn't obedient. If God said drive to Urbana and you drove to Mutual, you were disobedient. There's obedience and there's disobedience. Not partial obedience. I see a church that thinks that partial obedience is just good enough. And it's not. I see powerless people. Powerless churches. It's like, I really think that there should be fruit that we're going to talk about here in a second. Fruit in your life. When, when the resurrected king comes to live inside of you, there, you're a new creation. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe is living inside of you. There should be something different about your life. And what we see is a global church just talking about... <laughs> A resurrected church, right? You get this, right? A resurrected church. People who believe that they're born again and serving Jesus. What I see is a resurrected church saying, but this isn't a sin anymore. But this isn't a sin anymore. But you can just stay that way because you were created that way. A sin is a sin is a sin, and I want truth. We have a church that doesn't even want to hear truth anymore. You want to know what? Truth hurts. But I'm smart enough to know that truth matters. 
And sometimes God uses people to offend you and wreck you and make you mad just so you'll get the truth. Doesn't that frustrate you? And we get so offended by truth that then we make it about the person rather than God using someone to speak truth to me. Do you want truth? Does the world want truth? I don't have to agree with it, but the truth is the truth is the truth. And what we see with the apostles now in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to quit going to the notes, I guess. In Acts chapter 1, what we see is the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of them. And then by Acts chapter 2, you get the day of Pentecost. And then after that, you see powerful men doing powerful things, willing to preach the truth. The truth. The American church, the American people, the global people, people at MCF, we need to preach the truth. And when the apostles preached truth, they saw fruit. You can get on YouTube and you can find any sermon, any biblical sermon, meaning taking a message, taking the word, and shifting it to whatever you, they want to believe it, right? Make it in, making it into this case by which makes you uh, tickle your ears. You can get on YouTube and you can find any preacher that's going to speak to you emotionally. I see too many preachers today on the internet that's preaching to your emotions rather than teaching you truth. It's not identifying or relating to or being empathetic with one's emotions that sets you free. You want to know what sets you free? It's the word of God. It's truth that sets you free. And if truth means that it hurts me and it hurts me enough that I'm willing to pursue God, then that's okay. Truth sets me free. Are you willing to hear truth? Not fight it. You will be mad about it. Look, there's things that Macy tells me that when she tells me, I'm like, okay, woman, let's go. Right? Not really, but in my heart, I'm just like, that's what my heart's doing. I can't believe you would say that to me. But sometimes it's truthful. See, one of the things uh, she used to share with me that was, um, I was so excited about Jesus. I was so passionate about Jesus. I was so like zealous that every meeting that I would go to, I would share about this story and 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 this story. Now it's 11.30 p.m. I got my cold plate of food that I haven't touched. Everyone else is on dessert. So she would tell me things like, don't you think you should listen to some other people sometime? And I'm like this. But the spirit was moving, woman. Was he really? Or were you just caught up, caught up in the stories that you were sharing? Truth. And it hurts. Now, does that mean that I don't share or testify or teach or whatever whenever I'm in those meetings anymore? I still do. But instead of four hours, that's three hours and 59 minutes. <laughs> I'm improving. Slow steps. Truth. But what about this? What about, what about this? The gossip culture, right? 
See, women's ministry, Hope and Sarah and I, we've been meeting um, over the past couple months, and we've been talking about the gossip culture. There, look, I'm sure there's a gossip culture within this church, within this community there is, within um, that community and this community. There's just a gossip culture within the church, uh, within the global church, within, within people. And I would dare to say this. The more that you gossip, the more that you are insecure about who you are, and the less you know about who you are in Jesus Christ. The more that you have to talk about someone else's situation, the less you know who you are in Jesus Christ. But what we've been working on is this idea of like, how do we as a church make a stand? Stand for truth. Because the Bible says, don't gossip. But we justify it. Well, you're a leader. I need to share this with you because you're a leader. Well, what you just shared was very opinionated and not necessarily factual. So now I feel like you're just talking. Or what about this? Macy, I got to talk to you about Sammy today. Or what about when Sammy's like, hey, mom, because Sammy's the favorite. (laughs) The baby has to talk to the mom. And he says, hey, you won't believe what Joey, gossip, 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 gossip. So what we've been working on is what's a way that we can stand for truth here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship? And we were talking like, well, when gossip When gossip starts happening, here's what we say. We say, I'm out. Like, you just make that bold stance in a conversation and you make it weird. Because you know what's going to happen is that person is going to quit gossiping around you because it just got weird, right? So we were like, why don't we just be like, I'm out. And then then the other day, Women's Ministry Hope was like, hey, why don't we say this? One team, one love. What is the church? The church is one team, right? And the church is pursuing what? One love. Are you, do you love truth so much that you're willing to drive 55 today and that you're willing to make a stand for Jesus in gossip? And when gossip happens, you make the bold stance and you say, one team... I'm saying it right, aren't I? Oh, yes. One team, one love. Would you do that? Someone gossip real quick. Let's try it. Come on. Someone hit me with it. Hey, Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. One team, one love. (laughs) Power, boldness. See, when I do that, it's less about Dave, my friendship with Jesus is more important than my offense to you as a friend. See, the apostles at this point, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, because the resurrection and the Holy Spirit is living inside of them, they now have a boldness that they're willing to make that stand. They're doing it for God now. Because now, in the, what they read is, they used to read Old Testament scriptures, and then they got to walk with Jesus. But we also see in Luke... What do we also see in the book of Luke? We also see them when Jesus is talking about him de- his death, say, what are you talking about? You guys remember that? Jesus is talking about his death, and they're just like, I'm not sure what you are talking about. They didn't understand. It was, the understanding was kept from them. 
So now, in the book of Acts, what we see are men who are fully convinced. And that's what changed their mind. Is now the Old Testament scriptures of who this coming Messiah was, this Messiah that was hidden from them, now they saw it full picture. And the full picture was they read it, they didn't know it, and now they saw it. And the completion of what they needed to see, the completion of what they needed to see died for their sins, rose from the grave three days later, and then walked with them for 40 days. You see that? See, there's something about the Christian walk, there's something about me being fully convinced of what I believe that also empowers me. And for me to be fully convinced, you know what I need to do? Keep on reading my word. Read the word. Read the word. Read the word. Join small groups. Come to church. Have someone in your life who you will commit to that can tell you anything truthful. I'm going to say it again, probably the fourth time that uh, I brought up Mark. He, he asked me um, like three months in, two months in. He said, Joey, do you have any secrets? I said, no. He said, Keep, stay that way. Don't have any secrets. So I have people in my life that I share um, accountability with. My frustrations, disappointments. Do you have a secret today? You're like, oh man, now it just got, did you hear the air just get sucked out of the room? I think you guys heard it. We need to have those masks like airplanes just fall down. (laughs) Oh, he's preaching. (gasps) That would be funny. Then we'd be a modern church. (laughs) We're not about modern church here. But you do have on your skinny jeans today, Joey, so. The death and the resurrection of Jesus gave you the power you need to make a difference in kingdom work. To overcome depression. To overcome sin. To be a decent parent. To get good grades. To say you're sorry and forgive someone else. The problem with this generation, as I said before, is we try to fix our own problems. Instead of going to Jesus, instead of going to Jesus and then taking what he's done for us and to live it out in honor of him, we go to someone else and we ask them to uh, tickle our ears a little bit more and tell us you're okay. See, like, I know who I, and I carefully say this, I know, I know who I am more than you know who I am. But I'm, I'm pretty transparent up here. But most days I'm like, who am I to be a preacher? Like, who am I? But then there's people sometimes who are like, you're doing a good job. And because I know who I am, not that there's anything hidden, right? I'm just like, I don't believe you. Like, I just, I just don't believe you. Like, I just feel like I'm doing life. And I say that to say, like, um, 
there was something in my notes notes that sparked that. I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on talking until it comes back, right? I know my own mess, and this attitude of gratitude is what's important. Attitude that says, God, I'm just willing to serve you even when I don't feel qualified. Even when I feel like I'm a mess. I'm not, that's what it was. I'm not looking for people to tell me that you're doing a good job if I'm not. I'm not looking for people who have an attitude problem to tell me I'm doing bad just because they needed to feel good. Right? Amen? I think you should fix this. Well, you know what? You're not my wife, so I can punch you. Let's go. Three, three seconds later, I'm there like this. So, um, try to bring it together a little bit. Before Jesus' death and resurrection, questioning, now the resurrection, emboldened, empowered, and here's what was different for them. They saw the Bible come to life. They saw the Bible come to life. They saw the Bible come to life. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to see it come to life. I believe one of the biggest reasons why the church can be powerless is they're not reading the living word. And the living word has the truth in it, and it is the truth that sets you free. If you want to be set free from your mess, if you want to be set free from feeling lost then get in the Word. Powerful, 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 life-changing, eternity-changing information in that book. So, um, let's look at the day of Pentecost real quick. So, Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Here's what happened when the um, here's what happened when the Holy Spirit came to indwell within the individuals in the church. So here we go. Acts one, one through seven. In my f- oh, sorry, Acts two. You're like, what are you doing? Acts two, one through seven. When the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, um, now there were, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came in bewilderment, because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. So the day of Pentecost, just chilling, right, hanging out, and this fiery wind came through. This is the Bible. This took place. And tongues of fire, right, came through. Crazy. And then they started to speak in tongues. And people of other languages began to understand them. 
Why is that important? The Spirit came through and the Spirit was doing something with His people. And there was this empowerment that came from them. So through that empowerment, now as we go down just a little bit in the book, uh, uh, chapter 2, if you go to verse 36 now, So Peter's preaching. This empowerment happened, right? Now Peter, he's given a message. He's given a sermon with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And here it is. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said, to, um, and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all, all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from the corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and all 3,000 were added to their number that day. So what was Peter's message? Was Peter's message about loneliness? Was Peter's message about how to become a really good preacher? Was Peter's message about how to build a big church? Or was Peter's message truth? Peter's message was truth. Our message to the world needs to be truth. This is going to be truth, and this is going to be uh, truth that can likely offend someone, right? If you've been living in adultery, for 10 years, you need to fix it. Whatever it takes. If you've been living in addiction, you need to do whatever it takes. If you are a white liar, you need to do whatever it takes. And what that means is this. Peter's words, God's words, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm not asking for you guys to become jerks now, right? I'm not asking for you to go to your coworker, to your family member, and look at them in the eyes and say, you repent and be baptized. I'm not asking you to do that. God might ask you to do that, right? And will you have the boldness to preach that message? I had a friend once. <laughs> I once had a friend. <laughs> now, now I'm feeling lost. There was a certain sin that he was living in. And um, in this sin, he asked me um, what I thought. And I explicitly said, this is what the Bible says. Right? And then he said, but I can't change the way I feel. 
He said, truth tells you what truth is. And then I said this, if I'm not married and I fool around with the opposite sex, am I living in sin? He said, according to the Bible, yes. So I said, according to the Bible, according to God's word, not my words. You know, I just give everyone a car in here. Like, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Like, that's my heart. You get a car. If, if I could choose, everyone gets a car. I don't get to choose. God chose in his word what truth is and the way that uh, he requires us to live. So I said, according to Scripture, your preference is a sin. And you can't marry. Not my choice. God's choice. Therefore, repentance needs to take place in your life. You need to align your life with his word. That hurt. You know why it hurt? Because I, I just felt like God was there like, so what are you going to do? Like, are you going to claim me and be bold with the empowerment that, I, like, that I've given you to make a difference in this world? Or are you going to give this person an ounce of justification so that they can continue to live in a way that's deceiving to them? See, anyone that we don't preach truth to, we're actually preaching them into a way of deception. And Scripture alludes to something along the lines of, you who cause a little one to sin. And who's little in God's eyes? I think all of us are little in God's eyes. I'll be careful, not expositorily preaching there, just a thought that I have, okay? Don't take it to the bank and start pointing fingers at me. All I'm saying is, I believe that we're all little in God's eyes and we're all children in God's eyes. And I don't want to give anyone an ounce of deception that's going to lead them to a place of deception. That's going to lead them to a place of not knowing Jesus intimately. The takeaway that I want to leave you with today is um, the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to become overcomers and bold people for him. See, boldness doesn't have to always look like you go pray for a random person at Walmart. Boldness might just mean telling your spouse, I'm sorry. Boldness might mean when you find yourself, when you stumble upon a situation where you need to speak truth, you just do. That simple, but the resurrection power of the king lives inside of believers. Amen? So, the four points I was going to get to, but we're going to get, we're just going to be done. Um, he, the apostles preached the true message of Jesus Christ. They preached repentance. Right? So if you're taking notes, they preached one message of the truth. Real conversions took place. And I do want to talk about this real quick. What we see when a real conversion takes place, what we see um, as an example for the book of Acts, guess what ended up happening? They met to get together daily. This is important. The church, MCF, the church, the church, the global church. See, we have a generation of people that, talk about community, but don't do community. 
we talk about a gener- or we, we talk about getting together and living life together and having fun together, we don't. You want to know why? Our life is so busy that we don't have time to do the very thing that God said to do. God said, never forsake fellowship. But we got this job and that project and in this way, in that way, and you already know I gotta catch up with Game of Thrones. No Game of Thrones watchers, huh? Me neither. I've never watched one episode, but I thought it was a big deal. And now I'm the one being laughed at. All right. Nevertheless, we busy our lives with so much stuff that doesn't matter that we forsake what the Bible says. So they met together. They prioritized uh, time together. And they ate together. And then guess what they did? They sold their resources to meet the needs of other believers. This was the example, and this was the church, this thing that God was establishing. Now, I'm going to boldly and carefully say this. But now what we're being taught by the world is how do you retire in the next 30 years? How do you retire in 40 years? How do you save enough of your resources? Now look, I'm not preaching to you because I'm not sure what I trust God enough to do myself. Right? So don't hear me saying those who are retiring next year or those who are retired or those who have this amount of money in their bank account. I'm not pointing fingers because I'm in that same struggle. Amen? You hear me? But what the Bible said, what the early church was being established in, was selling everything and meeting the needs of the people around them. When authentic conversions take place, there's a desire to be with other believers, and then there's a desire to love other believers in the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, when I recognize that there's a deficit, when I recognize that there's a deficit, that's when I start asking God, what's going on within my heart? It doesn't mean that I'm going to go fix it tomorrow. But I do need to start asking God why that deficit is there. So, they preached one message, real conversions took place. God, at the end of chapter 2, he continues to add people. It says, God added people. Not creative church, not good church, God added people. Not good pastor, not good associate pastor, not good teaching pastor. Mark Miller might have. (laughs) Not good elders. God did it. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. God does it. So, one message when real conversions take place, you love God and you love people. God added to their number and creative church doesn't produce fruit. A sold out church does. A sold out church for Jesus Christ produces heavenly fruit. Lazy church doesn't produce fruit. A sold out church does. And I just wanted to ask you this today. What end are you on? Are you on the sold out end? Or are you on the feeling lost end? Are you, if God asked you right now 
to move to Michigan or to Alaska, would you do it? I wish my heart was yes. So today, um, I wanted to give an opportunity for a response. There's no music up here, but we might be able to get something. But if you just want to respond and say, God, I want to be sold out, but I'm feeling a little lost, or I'm rebelling just a little bit, if that's you today, we just want to give you the opportunity to respond. Amen? So I'm going to pray, and uh, you guys respond as you wish. And the rest of you, guess what? You can walk out, and you can go sign the piece of paper. At <laughs> you can sign the piece of paper at the uh, welcome desk. And then uh, if some elders and leaders are available, just do a, some prayer for those who respond. So Father, help us have acute vision on you. I pray that you would um, help our hearts surrender fully to you. To utilize the power and the gifting, Father, to see miracles, to see people healed, to see people set free, to see salvations take place, to see people repent of their sins, to have the boldness to preach the good news, to have the boldness to trust you behind the scenes. Father, help us. And I pray for those who just haven't felt like themselves in a long time today, Father. And I pray that, that your peace and your love would um, flow into their hearts. And it's just, just um, the word of like God hasn't left you. It's just that your heart has been calloused. So Father, I pray that, that you would do your healing work on callous hearts today that you would recapture us, that people would return to that place of first love with you. So Holy Spirit, come and indwell in us and upon us, overshadow us, and give us the boldness to do the right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys respond as you feel led, and then you, I'm not giving you an option, go write on the piece of paper.